I'm here talking to Kendall. I'm here talking to Annie. Today I'm talking about Angel of Death, Janine Jones. Content warnings are for child death, and frankly, we really come for the nurses. Uh, Come join us on Patreon. We have a general support tier as well as a tier that gets you three bonus episodes a month and always ad-free regular episodes. We have quite a few up there already. You can follow us on Instagram at tellnoonepodcast or send us an email at tellnoonepod at gmail.com. Sources are in the show notes. Everything is alleged, but this is definitely Tell No One. Enjoy! First off, the funniest thing is like, when I start telling you about a person, you don't know whether you like should wholeheartedly defend them or not. I never know. And you know what? <laughs> what I've come to find, really rarely pick right. Yeah, it's so... Yeah, it's hard for me. Okay. So, Dick and Gladys... They live near San Antonio, Texas. Gladys is a petite but strong lady. Mm-hmm. Dick is a big guy, kind of shady. He's like a gambler. Um, he has like a bunch of nightclubs, which is a little seedy. For example, an armed robber tried to rob one of his clubs one time, and he just jumped on him and was shot three times in the chest but survived. 1937, he sells like the sketchy clubs because Gladys is like, come on, we're starting a family. You can't have this. So he's like, I'm going to sell these and open up just like one kind of more reputable place. And he calls it the Kit Kat. So they adopt four children, Lisa, Wiley, and Janine and Travis. Janine's the one we're focusing on today. She was adopted in 1950. So they have (laughs) horses, a swimming pool, a tennis court. Like they're fancy mm-hmm. and dick is a very generous guy he like gives gifts to everybody and like he hosted all of his high school reunions at his club and would pay for everyone's everything so the late 1950s the Kit Kat isn't like the hot spot anymore it's out of fashion he's struggling to pay his property taxes sells off some of his investment properties to like try to make some money so when janine is 10 so 1960 her father was arrested a large safe had turned up missing from a home owned by a man who had been at the Kit Kat Club at the time of the burglary. <laughs> the Kit Kat, the the Kit Kat Club of the, uh, no, no. Of the burglary. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard. No, I got it, though. I got it. <laughs> okay, wait. Um, we're thinking that Dick that stole- dad might be involved. Yes. Well, she's not thinking it. The detectives are. There was $1,500 in cash and some jewelry inside. And a priest called the police and said, it's someone anonymously dropped it off at my doorstep. So I have it. But I'm not going to tell you who dropped it off because I'm a priest. And I like secrets. (laughs) But the police are like, it's pretty obviously Dick Jones. He confesses, but claims that it was a practical joke. He said that the guy was at the club (laughs) gloating that no one can steal my safe. My safe is impossible to steal. And he was like... I'm going to play a prank and steal his safe. And he's like, when I heard people were actually like pissed, I just dropped it off at the church. Wouldn't you drop it off back to the guy? But then he knows you. So they are like, they buy this story and the charges are dropped. Like that's the end of that. All right. But the Kit Kat does have to close. Um, so he opens a billboard business, which is like fine. So for Janine, riding around in the truck with her father while he was putting up billboards was the happiest time in her life. Other than that, she felt she had a hard time getting attention. She felt left out and unfavored by her parents and went around calling herself the black sheep. I mean, what do you want from them? Well, I mean, look, maybe she felt that way. She did feel that way. You told she me. did feel that way. Uh, sometimes she would pretend to be ill in order to get people to notice mm. and was like kind of bossy at school. Oh, annoying. Right. Acquaintances called her aggressive. She was known for lying um, big time. 
annoying yeah and annoying just like, me she was really close to her younger brother travis who loved to be in their father's shop one day when he was 14 he was building a pipe bomb and it exploded in his face and he died wow why were we building a bomb i don't know i don't know and i think the dad was like there when it happened which is like really kind of crazy oh at the funeral she like was screaming and fainted but she went back to school later that day yeah and students were like with the show she was putting on at the funeral we were like we won't see janine for weeks yeah but she came to school like my brother exploded she came she showed up to get the um oh my god janine are you okay yeah it's like she thinks maybe when people like die around her she gets attention So she wasn't popular in high school and would just lie about random shit for attention. She would tell people that her parents didn't love her not enough to have her legally adopted. That was not true. Like she was legally adopted. <laughs> and like, maybe I'm dumb, but like, why do you need attention? I know. <laughs> like you're not. Has I, a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm not getting attention. Like, okay. <laughs> and what do you want me to do about that? Why do you need to be the center of the show she just you know so what does. people like people are actors you know what i mean like there are people who need that and we don't know why <laughs> <laughs> yeah she could have just been an actress <laughs> so during her senior year of high school her father gets really ill and is actually diagnosed with terminal cancer he made it through christmas 1967 but died shortly afterwards at the age of 56 just a little over a year after travis had died Okay, so Janine's upset. Mm. She's had two huge losses here. But she hadn't yet finished high school, and she believed that what will fix her problems if she gets married, like right now. That will work. That's good. Her mom and her fight over it, because she's like, you can't get married here in high school. And she needs her permission to get married, so she's like, I will not give you that permission. Yeah, duh. She's like, also, your dad just died. Like, she's talking like, I want the wedding in a couple weeks. And she's like, you're crazy. So when she graduates, she does marry a high school dropout named James Harvey Delaney Jr. He claims that she trapped him into marrying her by saying she was pregnant when she wasn't. But whatever. Shut up. Basically, after seven months of marriage, he enlisted in the Navy. And Janine, who was a little sex crazy in like a attention seeking way. All right. Yeah. Was immediately unfaithful she would just hook up with all kinds of men and would brag about it like in public um married men the whole thing and she would spread rumors that she had been sexually abused as a child oh god why would you do that attention yeah you're right if i don't if i can't wrap my head around that i'm gonna have a hard time with the whole thing it's only getting crazier (laughs) yeah attention this woman is like wants to be noticed and special in Mm. every aspect of her life so she's like i'm a crazy sex fiend yeah why wouldn't it translate to that part too like men love me and i love men but also like crazy other things yeah yeah yeah. so she's not making she depends on her mom for money at this point and so her mom is like you should probably get a job so she enrolls in beauty school her husband returns from the navy and they have their first child richard in 1972 soon after janine's older brother the other one died of cancer at 28 what or uh, what and they're not they're- <laughs> what or what i don't know man <laughs> and they're not related they don't have exactly they- i can't think of a goddamn reason why they're all dropping no all right yeah so now she has like a real fear of cancer which is logical to me now i do just hearing this 
So she's like, I can't work with hair dye anymore. What, like ammonia? Yeah. I mean, that's not necessarily logical, but that's what she's saying. Maybe at the time. I don't know. What year are we in now? 70s. We're in the 70s. Maybe. Maybe f- your hair dye fucked you up. Maybe. So after four years of being married, she leaves her husband while he's in the hospital from a boating accident. <laughs> oh. They reconcile and get married again. And they have a daughter in 1977, but they divorce again. If you'll divorce once. You know, that's happened, I think, twice in my family that a woman has married a husband twice. Did it stick a second time? Well, Jordy's dead now. Right. But uh, Gina's still married to him, yes. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised to hear that. And it didn't work with Georgie. He was gay. Okay. So she stops being a beautician and goes to... Is it a location or... It's another school. It's training for another career. Don't talk to me yet. Okay. No problem. She's going to be a masseur? No. No. She's going to be... No. No. Is she going to be... A lawyer? A nurse. Okay, we need to take a take a break for a minute. <laughs> of course she's going to be a nurse. If you're an RN, you are the craziest bitch in America. She is not an RN. She becomes an LVN. Meaning? Meaning less than an RN. L, meaning less. <laughs> yeah, that's what it stands for. Yeah. So Gladys pays her tuition and takes care of her kids almost like exclusively. So after only eight months at her job at San Antonio's Methodist Hospital, she was fired... Partly because she tried to make decisions in areas where she had no authority and made rude demands on a patient who complained about her. Yeah, you can't be a dick and yep. work in the ER or whatever. Right. So she found another job, but was fired um, from that job for taking time off before she had earned it, which is like not particularly well, sinister. <laughs> By the way, she should become, well, I mean, she couldn't back then, but today she could become, you know, the people who put in an IV for you when you're hungover. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> and um, I frankly don't have the energy to talk about it. The other day or like a month ago or whatever, Kendall was having an, like an at-home IV put in. This doesn't she didn't usually happen. <laughs> like I don't do that many. I've only done that that one time. She was on a little girl's trip for the weekend, right? Yeah. And the RN, I'm sure, putting yeah. in the, the IV got her good. Fucked it up so bad like fucked it up so bad that i had never even known was possible like digging around blood everywhere dude like (laughs) i was faint like i almost fainted like woozy like retching like blood drained from my i was crying like tears uncontrollable tears coming down and she got in a fight with the other people there because they laughed i said (laughs) i hope it's worse for you and i hope you seriously die i'm not kidding (laughs) i can't handle that stuff so anyway she could do that she could fuck up an arm uh Yeah, she absolutely should not be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So she was hired in the intensive care unit of a pediatric section in the Bexar County Medical Center Hospital. No, I'm out. She loves it here. So her first patient that she had had a fatal intestinal condition. And when he died shortly after surgery, she went like crazy, like brought a stool in to where the body was and like sat staring at it, like crying. And the other nurses are like, this is disturbing. What you're doing right now. Yeah. You're acting like your child died today. Yeah. And it's like, she hadn't been like nursing him for a long time. Like she doesn't know this kid. Like I get that it would be Trump, but like what you're doing is unusual. And inappropriate. Right. Like, like you're making everyone uncomfortable. She's like really put it playing up devastation. Yeah. Whereas like you don't even know them. Your job, I'm sure you are going to see a lot of death. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> 
So it became clear to colleagues that she liked to feel needed. Mm. And she would often spend long hours on the ward during her 3 to 11 p.m. shift, insisting that her attention was important to a certain patient. Like, they need me. I'm the only one who can help them type of thing. Yeah, like, um, I'll bring that into him. He'll only talk to me. Yeah, like, I need to stay past my hours because he needs me. Oh, yuck, man. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. However, she skipped classes on the proper handling of drugs and in her first year made eight separate nursing errors, including while dispensing medication. Can you not go? Like, are you allowed to just not attend? Which is So she had fucked up a medication and was required to go and didn't go and nothing came of it. To what? Like a teaching? Yeah. Of like, oh, you're an idiot. Like, here's a refresher. Yeah. And she didn't go. You have to go. No, she doesn't. If I have to get a flu shot to go to work, you have to fucking go to learn how to do your job. Yeah. <laughs> what the said fuck? flu and not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got an email today about a flu shot. You have to get one? <laughs> well, they're like, you have to tell me if you don't, bitch. Mm. You know? <laughs> so, the first, hospital's dropping the ball from the jump. Okay? I mean, yeah, you can't have an employee who can do their job. Yeah. I think they're like, it's a poor hospital in a poor area and they're like desperate for people, but like, come on. And I feel like she'll probably do shit like make a show of being here later and putting in extra time and like unpaid time. Yeah. And so they're like, well, she's amazing. We have to keep her. Yeah. To, to like put on the veil of being valuable to them. Yeah. Needed. Yeah. So she, um, would often refuse specific orders from doctors because she wanted to do what was best for the child. Like she would pretend that she knew. Well, she, I don't know. The big man tells you one thing, but I'm here. I'm the empath. Yeah. Okay. And I don't really know how it all works, but an LVN is significantly less like trained and educated than an RN is. So even like, her telling nurses higher up than her what to do is strange. Okay. Is an LVN even a real thing anymore? Like, I yeah, bet you can't be it. So. You can't, you can be it, but you can't be on the floors that she is. Yeah, anymore. I bet you can't. And I bet an, any LVN would be like, yeah, I would never tell like an RN what to exactly. do. Exactly. They'd hit me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, for example, she had sped up an IV drip to dispense over the course of 30 minutes when it was intended to be over six hours. Oh, God. Turbo. is turbo. Like, you could really... You could kill someone like that. How? It's too much medication too fast. Oh, my God. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> I was picturing, like, veins popping. <laughs> uh, well, I think it was, like, an IV saline drip, so, like, it would be hydration, but you can overhydrate someone to death. And why change it, dude? And why change why it? Why did you feel the need to change what the doctor told you to do? Right. Okay, so the head nurse, Pat Belko, really liked and protected her, um, which gave her even more, like, balls. Yeah, I mean, that is a fucking mistake. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> um, so she never, of course, admitted to any mistakes, and now she had, like, the upper management kind of behind her. So she would, like, bully new nurses. More than one transferred away, because they're like, I can't stand her. I would. Why oh, the yeah. fuck would I hang around you? I'm an RN. This is sinister. Yeah. She got more confident as her power grew. She grew more arrogant, aggressive, and foul-mouthed. She liked to talk about her sexual conquests, both like what she had done and what she is finna do. (laughs) (laughs) What I have done, what I plan to do. Tonight. Wow, what the fuck? You're at work. And people are like, you're grossing me out. I get that you fuck. (laughs) We get it. She would also make weird predictions like, that baby's gonna die tonight. (laughs) Oh, no. Which, like, really kind of disturbed her fellow nurses. And sometimes, I mean, most times she was right. 
If you were working with her and she were like, that baby's going to die. What the fuck did you just say? What? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and I'm sure she's not being like, what are the actual odds? No, like, she's what like, should we prepare for? Like, she's like, I have a bad feeling they might croak. Right. She's like, I also have like premonitions. Um, she's like, I fuck hard and often. <laughs> <laughs> and I can predict the future. Yeah. And I'm smarter than any doctor in the building. What a nightmare to and work with. And you're lucky to have me. So August 11th, 19... I wrote 89. It's certainly not 89. August 11th, 1979. She finished two back-to-back eight-hour shifts after taking care of a 10-month-old girl with terminal heart failure. So sad. So her supervisor is like, okay, time for you to go. You've done your job. You are not the only nurse in this fucking hospital. It's okay for you to go home. You're not the only one who can hang out with that kid. Right. So she ignores her and like lingers for an hour. And then they tell her like, no, you have to go. Mm -hmm. She was like, I felt the little girl needed me. Shut up. I'm annoyed, man. I know the kind of vibe you're talking about. Not to bring up um, the program I worked at again. Yeah. But there were the people who would hang around after their shift yeah like is everyone in bed did it did they go down okay like did they maybe need me to read them a book like no dude we can all read a book it's the martyr complex of it all i had that sometimes like working in the dv field where people like well i i couldn't watch it so i gave her a ride or like i gave her money like my own money and it's like you cannot do that doing things that are borderline inappropriate for a professional to do I'm i'm messaging her on facebook like i'm texting her and it's like come on I care so much more than us. Whatever. So Pat Belko just gives her a written warning for this. She's like, stop being so creepy. But I love you willing to work overtime. Yeah, I bet that too. Like, I bet part of the Pat liking her had to do with like, well, whenever I call her, when people drop a shift, yep. she'll show up. Exactly. Bitch has no life. Exactly. So September 29th, after another shift, she appeared uncalled for in the PICU, the pediatric ICU. Pick. Wait, me pick me (laughs) (laughs) um that's where she usually worked but she was not supposed to be there Mm -hmm. she brought a friend with her who did not work at the hospital okay we're not doing that you can't bring a friend to work she was at the bedside of a patient with a syringe and was fiddling with their iv bag oh kendall She's not working. Where did she get the syringe? What is she? And she doesn't like know where we're at in no. the evening. Like she doesn't really know what she should be doing. She shouldn't be there. If anyone showed up in the middle of a shift and we're like butting in, no matter what field of work you were in, you'd be like, fuck off. You don't know what we're doing today. Right. You know what she's, I mean? She's She comes in the middle of the shift with going to inject a kid with something. Like, what are <laughs> you doing? Yeah. Are you allowed to be here right now? No. And also the staff smelled alcohol on her and told her she had to leave. Oh my God. She went home and it was like, I was not drinking. I don't know what your problem is. But she had her shift ended at 11 p.m. And she, this happened at 5 a.m. So she had gone home and come back and it probably was just at home drinking. Yeah. Or you like went out. Right. And then came, came to, to work. work in the intensive care unit. <laughs> okay. So Pat Belko writes her up and says this is her final written warning and says, you, I think you used some poor judgment here. But. On December 28th, Belko puts in a written commendation into her personal file and has no mention of the incidents in it and praised her for taking extra shifts. You cannot value people willing to come in and give you overtime more than people who are good at their job and like just happen to respect their own time. Right. You know? Uh, she's still lying about weird stuff. She claims that she was like in a coma for months after being in a car accident and that she shot her brother-in-law in the groin. Why is that cool? 
Because she's like, he cheated on my sister or whatever. So I shot him in the dick. Why aren't you in jail? Yeah, <laughs> That didn't happen. Shouldn't you be in jail? Like people working with her like, oh, cool, Janine. Yeah, but pe- <laughs> have you ever been around people who are <laughs> um, lying like that? Who are cuckoo? Yeah. Who are cuckoo. Chilling. Yeah. And, Oof, uh, you I'm feel free- afraid to even show that you might not believe them. Yeah. Because they are going to be like, well, I'll, what if I what if I did shoot you? <laughs> what if I made that a reality? Yeah, like, I can't let it get out that I'm lying. And you're like, you're like you got to die. We all know. <laughs> a new doctor comes to the ward. His name is James Robotum. That's how I'm going to say it. All right. Okay. It's spelled Robot Ham. <laughs> That is really generous of you. So, <laughs> I also did this other podcast. She told a story about her friends whose last name is B O O T E. And she's like, everyone says it's like Boote. She's like, no, it's Booty. <laughs> <laughs> nope, thanks for that accent, but it's Booty. Thanks. <laughs> okay. So, he was hired as the medical director of the PICU. I'm worried for him, no matter what. No matter what. Right. All right, just note that, that he's here now. And he's he pays more attention to what's going on on the floor. Yeah, being new, I'm sure you're, like, taking stock of, like, what is going on here? Right, and he might have, like, a soul, maybe. Okay. Um, Not a man being the hero. He's not, like, the hero. Okay. There's no, like, hero. <laughs> uh, okay, so she would also go herself to outpatient clinics for, like, minor... Mother? Fucker. So she would also go to outpatient clinics herself for, like, minor... so she would go to outpatient clinics for minor physical complaints of her own which she did 30 times in just two years oh my god so she's like trying to get attention on her own on her own time right okay so in 1981 she demands to be put in charge of the sickest patients Hmm? yeah can you do that i think she has a lot of clout at this point so she obviously loved the excitement of an emergency and the grief when a child didn't make it. When she would prepare a body, she would sing to it. And she was the one who always took it, the corpse to the morgue. What? Uh, she often cried as she did this, which is just unprofessional, frankly. Yeah. And the show of being like put upon. I have to finish my job. Yeah. I have to and I'm right. doing it and I'm getting it done. Like, oh, oh fucking relax. It slowly becomes clear that children are dying in the picky from problems that should not be fatal. I'm shocked. Mad. <laughs> um one admin claims there was a two week period where seven children died. The need for resuscitation seemed suddenly constant, but only when she was around. Um, Those in the most critical conditions were always under her care. She even commented on several occasions that it was, quote, an incredible experience. One child had a seizure three days in a row, but only during the time she was on shift. Fuck you. You're having an incredible time. You're learning a lot. (laughs) What the fuck? Quote, they're going to start thinking I'm the death nurse. She quipped one day. In fact, some of the stuff called her duty hours, the death shift, based on how many resuscitations were going on during those hours. 3 to 11 p.m. She even seemed to enjoy calling parents to let them know about their child's death and to commiserate. She enjoyed calling. Their kid died. You killed their fucking kid. Yeah, right. If a baby's health was particularly bad, she would announce to other nurses, tonight's the night. Uh, don't talk like that. Tonight is the night. What? Don't talk like the greatest showman. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Okay. And if a child was clearly like near death, she was always like, 
always by their bedside. Like she wanted to be there when it happened. Yeah, you love it. Ew. Yeah. So there are rumors going around that she's doing something to these kids, but Pat Belko defends her and says it's just gossip from nurses who are jealous of her competence and refuse to listen. But Pat, like two plus two is four, right? Duh. Duh. How do you like anybody that much to overlook everything like that baby is happening around them? <laughs> yeah. How do you like anybody at work that much? Seriously, get what a life. What the fuck? Okay, so an RN comes to Pat Belko with actual like stats now, and it's like kind of undeniable. So Belko and that James Robot Ham decide they should start an investigation. <laughs> yeah. Lightly though, they're not like really concerned. They're like, this is like could be a coincidence. So between May and December of 1981, ten children died after unexplained complications during her shifts. So a baby named Jose Flores, who's six months old, came in with some common symptoms: fever, vomiting, diarrhea. But while in her care, he developed unexplained seizures and went into cardiac arrest. It took doctors almost an hour to save him, but they did. But they noticed he was bleeding badly, and they could not figure out why. Well, they found his blood was not clotting, but eventually the problem subsided, and he seemed okay until the next day during the three to eleven p.m. shift. Once again, he goes into seizures and begins to bleed. Early the next morning, his heart stopped, and he died. Oh my God! How do you live with yourself? These bitches are so crazy, criminally. So when the doctor tells Jose's father that his son died, he had a heart attack. Oh my god! Yeah, you know what though? You would. Yeah. If you had a healthy baby. Yeah. I brought them here for a precaution. Right. Like we brought him in for diarrhea, and he died of a cardiac arrest. Yeah. Like he <laughs> he developed a new problem with you. Yeah. So she had to help him, Mr. Flores, to the emergency room, and allowed Jose's older brother to carry the baby's dead body. Then she grabbed the baby and ran down the corridor. Several members of the family ran after her. She lost them and went into the morgue. No one could figure out what her behavior meant, but blood testing on the body indicated an overdose of a drug called heparin, which is an anticoagulant. Your blood wouldn't congeal. Yeah, you would be bleeding without stopping. Um, she gave him the Alexei Romanov special. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Grabbing the baby and running, running down, down the, the hall. hall. Dip, duck, yeah, she dodging, quote, and diving. lost them. Like, what? what? Are you, <laughs> if anyone grabbed, if you grabbed a living baby that way and yeah. then took off. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. How the fuck did anybody write that off? So, yeah. And they also see this drug is in his body and no doctor had ordered it for him. Yeah. And so they're suspicious, but nothing, they don't, nothing happened. Not only did he have it, he died, died from, it, from having way too much of it. Like yeah. they were giving it to him a lot. And who was giving it to him and why? We don't and know. And who like grabbed the body and took off? Janine did. What the fuck, Kendall? <laughs> I know. So next, two physicians are treating a three-month-old boy named Albert Garza. And they discovered that Janine probably gave him an overdose of heparin. When they confronted her, she got angry and left, but the child recovered. So this incident made the hospital have a tighter control over the staff's use of heparin, um, making their records more precise. They know there's a problem. Is that what the other kid died from? That was a drug? Okay. Yeah. Take the precaution of fucking firing her. They absolutely fucked this majorly. So in November 1981, the hospital administration, resistant to an internal investigation of the pediatric ward, had a meeting, and they decided that Robot Ham was overreacting. The struggling hospital did not need the possibility of suspicions that would come to the public's attention, so they declined to follow through. 
But that did not end the doctor's efforts to launch a formal investigation. He continued to watch the records from the 3 to 11 shift. Yeah, good. Okay. 11-month-old Joshua Sawyer was brought in suffering from effects of smoke inhalation after his home was on fire. He had had cardiac arrest and his doctors ordered Dilantin. He remained in a coma, but doctors expected him to make progress. Janine, however, told his parents that he would be better off if allowed to die. What? Because he would surely have serious brain damage. Huh? I'm sorry, what? What'd you say? Wait. You're telling me the actual doctor was like, that kid could fucking recover fully. Oh, absolutely. And she told the family... He's better off You should pull the plug. He's gonna be a vegetable. Yeah. You are rotten. But she doesn't give him the choice because quite suddenly he has two heart attacks and dies. What? His lab tests show a toxic amount of Dilantin in his blood. The Um, test results went unnoticed. Hey, everybody. I'm pretty much over it. (laughs) I'm pretty much over all the children dying. Yeah, me too. I I think it's time to, like, shape up. Stop. (laughs) Knock it off. So Janine is becoming aware that, like, her former allies are no longer as behind her as they once were. So she is kind of blackmailing them. And saying that she has records on every child that has died here, and I know which doctor had killed them. So Robot Ham <laughs> requests that she be fired, but no one listens. And they also do not listen to nurses who keep reporting that supplies are missing. Um, then why do we even count this shit? Free for all. If you don't need my fucking Excel sheet, then just tell me that. I won't put in the time to make it. Yeah, like the inventory woman's like, oh, I'm here every day. <laughs> for numbers. what? For what? Okay. So Rolando Santos, a one-month-old baby being treated for pneumonia, was suddenly having seizures, cardiac arrest, and unexplained bleeding. All of his problems intensified on her shift or began. He began to urinate so badly he suffered from extreme dehydration. My God. For three days that Janine was off work, the baby improved, but the afternoon she returned, he began to hemorrhage. Yeah, she isn't even being cool about it. Be cool. <laughs> How does she re- behave when they all... She's like screaming, crying. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit, man. <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> so lab tests showed he had an excessive amount of heparin he's not dead um so a doctor takes over his care but janine got a hold of him again and he went how does she get a hold of him dude it's the wild west out here yeah i'm very worried about like protocol hey what is the protocol well like what she's doing is so like otherworldly yeah it's like i don't need the protocol i'm the girl in charge yeah i bet that if there were ever a new nurse i bet that was like her delicious moment like getting to come in and be like take a break honey i'm gonna i'll cover it for you this is how things are done around here a doctor saved him and ordered him to be removed from the picu and placed under surveillance yeah so under these conditions he improved and was released to his parents and he survived his encounter lucky chap lucky chap (laughs) (laughs) one more doctor stepped forward to tell the hospital no i did not say it like that (laughs) no i didn't no i didn't you did (laughs) okay finally it doesn't matter uh one more doctor stepped forward to tell the hospital administration that janine jones was killing 
kids yeah like i'm not accusing her of like being bad at her job which would be bad enough by the way fire her right but i'm telling you no she's killing people right right right. like homicide yeah homicide i'm talking homicide guys (laughs) (laughs) and how many like full-fledged doctors need to come in and say like hey right you got a killer among you right big time and i'm not talking heart disease bleeding killer of big fat women (laughs) (laughs) what why, why, why would you say that? that? It's like a thing that happened. Why would you say it's that? It's almost like an image Yeah, I'm not going to explain it. Okay. <laughs> so he had found a manual in her belongings about how to inject heparin subcutaneously without leaving a mark. What? I found a pamphlet on you? Of like how to do what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> how to do what we're being plagued with. That is really crazy. Mm-hmm. Another child was sent to the PICU to recover from open heart surgery. At first, he was doing fine, but on Janine's shift, he became lethargic. His condition deteriorated, and he died. The doctors were confused and could only attribute his death to some infection. In view of everyone in the room where the child had died, Janine grabbed a syringe and squirted fluid over his forehead in the sign of a cross and then repeated it on herself. She grabbed the dead baby and began to wail. No, 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 no. Oh. If anyone did any shit like that in front of you, what the fuck do you do? It's like, oh, of course, she's killing the kids. Yeah. Any, if I didn't have any other proof, if you did that, lock her up. More doctors complained. And finally, a committee was formed to look into the problem. Pat Belko and James, I'm calling him Robin Ham, were in charge. Pat shouldn't be. I know. You obviously are like stupid. Yeah. So an outside team of investigators came in and saw there's clearly an issue, but we're not going to like pin it on anyone individually. So in the end, their solution was to replace the LVNs on the unit with RNs, which meant that she obviously would be transferred away from the babies. Okay. Why are we handling it like the Catholic church? Like, right. You can fire her, dude. They're like, we're not going to place the, we're not going to see you. Might, now. You could probably even send her to jail you probably could (laughs) um so how does she take this news she quits and then nobody ever died again right and then we could be pretty sure in 1982 dr kathleen holland opened a pediatric clinic in kerrville texas needing help she hires a one janine jones Mm. she had worked at the county hospital with her and had even testified in her behalf during the investigation why i don't fucking know she was like subtly warned not to hire her, but went ahead and did it anyway, viewing Janine as a quote victim of the male dominated medical patriarchy. Oh god damn it. <laughs> I know. I hate when um I hate when we're wrong. Yeah. Like I hate come on. Being wrong. <laughs> I hate being wrong. <laughs> so she believed that Janine was a competent nurse who just like needed a chance. Like needed someone to stand up for her. She had a long time and she had many people who, who did. Stay- exactly. She gave her the title pediatric clinician and she actually rented her rooms for her and her children like she was like her landlord too so the second day that their practice is open a 14 month old chelsea mcclellan was brought in with breathing issues she was born prematurely so she kind of had them she wasn't brought in for the breathing she had breathing issues Mm -hmm. but was brought in for a cold so while they're all talking like the mom dr holland and janine chelsea is like pulling things off the desk and stuff and just like kind of being distracting so janine's like oh i'll take her and play with her less than five minutes later they hear janine saying don't go to sleep baby chelsea baby wake up uh no (laughs) 
I reject that reality. Mm-hmm. I reject that reality. Okay, so a second later, she calls for Dr. Holland, and she sees Chelsea laying on the exam table with Janine putting an oxygen mask on her. What the fuck did you do in, in five minutes? Chelsea is not breathing and begins seizing, and they call an ambulance. So Janine is carrying her into the ambulance and is acting so crazy. Mm-hmm. She's like telling the EMTs what to do. Like they're like, is she the doctor or what? So by the time they get to the hospital, Chelsea's breathing again and she was sent to the ICU for 10 days and they don't know what happened. They have no explanation for this, but she's okay. The next day, a young baby, Brandy, goes to the ER with diarrhea and some blood in her stool. She is referred to Dr. Holland's office. Janine takes her to the treatment room and Dr. Holland comes out and is like, she stopped breathing. Call the ambulance. So Janine is yelling out orders and don't die, baby. Don't die, baby. It's disgusting. It's like creepy, creepy, creep shit. And how are you doing it day after day? This like doesn't ever happen. Babies don't go into cardiac arrest at their general practitioner. Their little checkup. (laughs) Yeah, like almost ever. And it's happened twice in one month. So she's admitted and stays for six days. And there's still there's no explanation for her either. Three days later, Janine is accompanying a patient in a helicopter ride to the hospital from like their clinic also in the in the helicopter there's a seven-year-old boy named jimmy who's going to the hospital <laughs> as well. <him> out. <laughs> he is like he's very ill like he just he has like a congenital thing he's been ill his whole life uh-huh. so he's going to the hospital she just starts screaming that jimmy is seizing and the paramedics are like he's not <laughs> and so she uses her stethoscope and is like i can hear that he has an irregular heartbeat and the paramedics are like we're in a helicopter you I know you cannot hear anything in that stethoscope. And she's like, I'm going to have to give him something. She injects something into his IV and he stops breathing. They have to land in a field to intubate him. And then he, they do CPR all the way to the hospital and he is fine. You are beyond help. Yeah, dude. What? She says that like he went completely blue and the paramedics were like, let him die. And she's like, so I saved him. Getting everything she needed in that moment. Yeah. Getting to like be the one to find the heartbeat, the irregular yeah. heartbeat. Getting to be like, I'm the only one really caring right now. Yeah. And getting to kill, maybe. Yeah. And I'm in the all air. of it in a helicopter. And remember, this is all in a helicopter. <laughs> four days later, a four-month-old named Misty stopped breathing in the office and has a seizure, is admitted to the hospital and is okay. A few days later, Janine tells Dr. Holland that a bottle of succinylcholine is missing, which is like a muscle relaxant that like completely paralyzes you, essentially. It's like an anesthesiology thing for like intubating people for surgery and and such. So she's like, this is missing. I'll just order another one. I'll do that. Don't ask. Wait. Don't ask. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't have any where it might be. No. What? And another thing is this is not necessarily normal to have it a, just a practice like this is a yeah, hospital I'm drug thinking, like why would they have that they're not performing any surgery here they could only have it what they would say they had it for is for like if all of a sudden it, we needed to intubate a, a kid because mm. they stopped breathing but there are other ways you can help the kid mm. and they're very close to a hospital like they would never really need to have it well yeah i'm sure she was like i'm writing up a stock list and i think right. we might need a- like, i'm from the picu i know that we need things like this yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and order it ew and now it's missing so september 17th chelsea mcclellan's parents come back because they loved their experience. They're like, they saved my daughter. That was the first, the first little, girl? little girl. The don't die baby. And yeah. Well, the I'm, playing she's on the desk always one. yelling, don't die baby. Right. Sorry. So they come back with her, their son. 
And they're like, why not just bring Chelsea for a checkup as well? But this is just less than a month later. So it's kind of strange. But they're like, oh, she needs her like, MMR. She had a major medical event. I'm sure they're like, couldn't fucking hurt to have her checked up. Right. And checked on. It, it does hurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, we need your MMR vaccine and like some other one. So they leave the room for a minute. And when they come back, Janine had already prepared the syringes. Thank you, Janine. She gives her the shot and she stops breathing. She gives her the other one and she starts having seizures. They call an ambulance at the ER. She begins breathing. Um, but Dr. Holland wants to send her to a different facility to see if she has like a neurological issue. Cause like what's going on here. Yeah. And every time you're with me, right. Do I have a neurological issue? <laughs> <laughs> she gets sent to this new facility in an ambulance. And EMT and Janine are with her in the back of the ambulance. And oh Chelsea's mom and Dr. Holland are driving in their cars. Eight miles into the drive, she goes into cardiac arrest. They pull out all full resuscitation efforts, race to the other hospital nearby. They try to resuscitate her, but she is pronounced dead. I know. The EMT and the EMT in the helicopter, they have to be like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Going home at night, like, you will never believe what happened to me today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. They go to her funeral, and Chelsea's mom actually runs a thank you in the local paper for like all that they did to try to save her. Oh my God. The same day, um, Janine returned to the clinic to see another patient for crying spells, and she's like, oh, he needs his blood drawn. For crying a lot? And possibly an IV. And they're like, you're not a doctor, though mother i won't cry anymore i don't think she's necessarily qualified to take blood even i don't think you are if well you're... she's certainly not able to order blood tests so like what is she taking the blood for do they not know well the thing i th i think she might be banking on the like layman not yeah. knowing the level of like lvn rn yeah or i'd be like oh the doctor told her to duh yeah and i think that like you see somebody in like scrubs and you're kind of like let's party baby Right. Do what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. She's like, he also had a seizure. Okay. The seizure thing is We got to figure that out. Rarely do people have a seizure condition. Right. Is something in the water? Like what's happening? Right. All our kids are having seizures. Like, are we having an Aaron Brockovich type? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do we need to call in an Aaron Brockovich figure? We will. Um, okay. So then he actually goes into seizures and had to be resuscitated. The child stabilized and his parents later commented that Janine had appeared to be quite excited over the incident and even happy. Oh, for them to have felt that from her, it had to have been clear. Oh my Cause, you God. Know, they, were, they were like in their own mind, in their own right. panic, you know, for them to even be aware of how she was behaving in that moment. Right, like that nurse is being creepy. Oh no. So September 23rd, a five month old was transported to the ER from their clinic again. And a doctor working saw the infant making these like strange movements, which he recognized from his patients that were coming out of succinylcholine. And he's like, I think someone gave them that. So we're piecing things together. And he's like talking to other people because like they knew there was a suspicious nurse that had worked there where all those kids had died. And he brings this up and they're like, yeah, it was Janine. That was the crazy nurse. And he's like, interesting. About that time, another doctor discovered the high number of baby deaths at the hospital where she had previously worked. He brought this to the attention of the committee, and they started to finally come around that she was doing something to these children. They brought in Dr. Holland and asked if she was using succinylcholine. She said she had some in her office, but was but had never used it. Uh, Dr. Holland? She's kind of a fucking airhead. 
So she tells Janine about the meeting and Janine assures her, oh my God, don't worry about it. I found that missing bottle. We found it. The cap is gone, but like it's unused. So like, don't worry about it. What are you talking about? Don't. Who I, the fuck? You're the only people here. Yeah, like, don't. Only you two work here. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Very, um, I don't know. Have you ever been a kid and, like, tried to pull something over? Like, I don't know who did that. And your mother or whoever is like, only you are here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, holding the crayon. Like, who could have been? <laughs> yeah. That fucking um, Tim Robinson sketch when he's in the, the hot dog. He's like, who did this? <laughs> yeah. Crashing your hot dog car. She is, like, crashing her wiener car into a building and then getting out in a hot dog costume and going, like, okay, we're going to have to find out who the fuck did that. <laughs> oh my god okay on september 27th while janine was at her lunch break dr holland examined the bottles of succinylcholine Mm -hmm. they were both full nearly but one of them had pinprick holes through the rubber stopper (laughs) and they were both filled with water (laughs) kind of yeah okay so when janine could not give a credible accounting of it and even suggested that they just throw the bottles away to avoid questions from the texas board of medical examiners no dude i'm not the doctor had to have been like i'm not afraid of that i didn't do anything why do you feel fear about that right she she became alarmed the doctor yeah yeah and she later learned the near full bottle had been filled almost completely with saline oh no Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Holland's hospital privileges were revoked. Okay. So before she could really do anything, Dr. Holland um, learns, because Mm -hmm. Janine told her, (laughs) that Janine had taken an overdose of an anxiety medication. She had to have her stomach pumped, but it turned out that she had only taken four of the pills and had faked her semi-coma to be like, don't tell anyone... And, like, buying yourself one day of her not telling anyone. Yeah. But, like, not even willing to actually take too many. Yeah, like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dr. Holland discovers that yet another bottle had been ordered but was missing. On September 28th, she fired Janine and offered any help to the investigation. The McClellans hire a medical malpractice attorney, and in October, a grand jury convenes to hear evidence. Yeah. The hospital is... Now, seriously, looking into a lot of the deaths that happened in the PICU and out of and out of all 10 of the deaths, Janine was at their bedside. So Dr. Holland is mad now that people didn't warn her more more about Janine. I feel that they did. They absolutely. You were in the investigation the first time. Yeah, like you testified for her. Like, you can't pretend there are things here that you didn't know before. Right. She appears before the grand jury, but pleads the fifth. Dr. Holland. What? Why would you plead the fucking fifth? She doesn't want to be criminally to be fair i'm sure if they found out how much she over she did over how stupid she really was <laughs> it's criminal <laughs> they charge her <laughs> she was also held in contempt of court for not turning over her records yeah you never once looked at them did you like it was all up to janine it's like more poison more poison yeah, like, how did you not know she was ordering poison all the time? It's like, maybe one, like, emergency bottle, but, like, why do we keep ordering them? Dummy. In May, Chelsea's body was exhumed, and there was evidence of succinylcholine in her body. Mm-hmm. So Janine was indicted. In 1985, she was sentenced to 99 years in prison for killing 15-month-old Chelsea McClellan with succinylcholine. Mm-hmm. Lord, help me! You're doing great. Um, later that year, she was sentenced to a concurrent term of 60 years for nearly killing Rolando Santos with heparin. 
She was scheduled for mandatory release in 2018 due to a Texas law meant to prevent prison overcrowding. What? But to avoid this, she was indicted on May 25th, 2017 for the murder of 11-month-old Joshua Sawyer, the one who was in the fire. On January 16th, 2020, she pled guilty to the murder of 11-month-old Joshua Sawyer. She was sentenced to life for this, and she will not be eligible for parole until she's roughly 87 years old. And her estimated body count is over 60. Oh, my God. Because she had a whim one day to go get, like, a certificate to, like, what can an LVN do? Think in the hallway? (laughs) (laughs) Think and stand in the hallway. I'm sorry. (laughs) Shut up. Um, feel free to absorb that information. Feel free to share it. As the way you heard it, tell no one. Goodbye. Goodbye.